You're listening to the Short-Term Revolution Podcast. If you're a physician and want to generate meaningful side income, you're in the right place. Learn how to make real income from short-term rentals. So pour yourself a cup of coffee and let's catch up. Welcome to the Short-Term Revolution Podcast. And now your host, a pediatric anesthesiologist, real estate investor, and now short-term rental host, Dr. Chiagosi Fawole. Okay, Short-Term Revolution Podcast listeners, I am super, super excited because tonight, today, tonight, I don't know what time you're listening, you're listening to this, I have with me Alex Savio, who is just an amazing, amazing human. I first heard of Alex actually last year, and he his story was one of the ones that sort of got my eyes popping about, about, about short-term rentals, okay? And I, I'm not going to spill the beans too early. I'm going to let him introduce himself. But as a very brief introduction, Alex is a respiratory therapist that is killing it with short-term rentals. He's going to give us all the, like basically spill all the beans about, about his, his, his portfolio. But welcome, Alex. Super excited to have you on the podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So Alex, uh, just can you just kind of just introduce yourself? Tell us kind of who you are, what you do, and then we'll get into your journey to short-term rentals. Yeah, yeah. Alex Sabio, uh, married father of four, live here in Southern California. I do have a W-2 job. I'm a respiratory therapist. I've been doing that for about 20 years now. Absolutely love it. Actually, my specialty is NICU and PICU. Love doing that. Looking to walk away here soon. My wife was actually also a respiratory therapist. She was, uh, we met in school and she was able to retire within three months after our first short-term rental. We replaced her income right away and uh, we're getting to the point, we're getting to the point where we're about to, re- well, we've already replaced my income. I'm just extremely conservative where I want to generate like X amount more than my income. So yeah, nice, nice, yeah. nice. So, so let's just get even just straight into it. So when I when I first met you, and I'm I'm, I'm by met I mean listen to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you had I think two properties in the Smokies, but can yes. you just give those that are listening just a brief overview of sort of your journey with short term rentals? First of all, let's even let's even just kind of go back to the beginning. Like what? Sure. How did you come about getting started with short term rentals? What were you doing at the time, and what was it about yeah. short term rentals that sort of like sparked your attention? Yeah, well, what I tell everyone is I wish I had a better story to tell, but my journey really was a lot of trial and error and failure. So I started investing in long-term rentals, like in 2004, 2005. And I'm going to let you know, I made like every single mistake in the book. I tried to be a landlord, was awful at it, bought a home near a hospital I was working at, thinking I would rent to residents and doctors, and that didn't happen. It never does, right? And I think my mortgage payment was like 3200 bucks. And I was renting it out for like 2000 bucks, oh. right? Ouch, huge ouch. And this is back in 2008 and I'm not making anywhere near what I'm making now. Mm. And so I'm coming out of pocket like 1500 bucks, even that's if they paid on time and that's if they paid the full amount. After two, three years or so, I kind of just ran out of time and energy and I kind of just gave up. I did have like several other long-term rentals out of state, like um, in different states. Luckily, the banks didn't want them because I, I wound up foreclosing on a property and filing bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. And the banks were like, we don't want those properties. You keep them. Oh, <laughs> and man. so, right. So, because those properties were upside down, I think I was buying them for like 120000 And all of a sudden, they were worth $60,000. Mm-hmm. 
But luckily, over time, real estate's really forgiving, right? Even though you make a lot of mistakes, you know, the the rents went up slowly over time. I refinanced out of them and got better terms and was cash flowing a little bit more. But eventually, like 2016, 17 came around, got a better paying job, worked a ton of overtime. And I'm like, you know what? I want to get back in the real estate game Mm -hmm. and then had some equity there. But I knew that cash flow was going to be king at Mm -hmm. that point. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was either I had to start really focusing in on cash flow better, or I was just going to wind up in the same place I was in before. Mm-hmm. And in in that course of working a ton of overtime, I, I hired a CPA and she said, you know what, you should think about looking into short-term rentals. They have an amazing tax benefit and you could, uh, what's it called? You could make a little bit more money. But in my mind, I'm still not listening. It doesn't, it's not <laughs> registering to me. I don't know what it is. I'm just not that smart, you know? And I'm like, I'm going to get into multifamily real estate. So start doing multifamily real estate, start really focusing in on that in March of 2020. And we all know what happened March 2020. Yep. Yeah. The whole country shut down and uh, I had all these flights that were canceled. It became almost impossible for me to get into multifamily real estate. And You know, at the same time, I just started, my mindset was just start helping as many people and network with as many people as possible. And then another investor told me, she said, hey, you know what, I'm investing in Airbnbs and I'm generating about $24,000 a month. And I'm like, yeah, you know, but what's your take home? You know, like, I'm sure that's a lot of work. And she said, no, dude, you're not listening to me. That's my take home. And then, and at that point, that's when I started listening. You're like, oh. Yeah. And then, so I just kind of went on like beast mode, like started researching what the hell is a short-term rental? Where's the best place to invest in the short-term rental? And that's kind of how I landed in the Smokies because back then everyone, I I don't think a lot of people were talking about the Smokies at that point because the house, even the first house that I bought, it had sat on the market for like 40 days. Like nobody was wanting to buy it at that time. Hmm. So, and that was July, 2020 when I put my first offer. Mm -hmm. So hold up. So basically what you're telling me is that the pandemic saved your life. <laughs> it did, right? It was crazy. The pa- and, and the pandemic saved your wallet. Right. And it was interesting because we all know, I'm sure you get a lot of medical people that are listening to your podcast. I mean, we all know how we felt in June, July, and then like going into the winter time. It was crazy in the hospitals. We didn't know where this was this thing was going. Like I said, my wife's also a respiratory therapist. And I'm like, I remember having this fear that. I was seeing like young people come in, getting intubated, and then mm-hmm. some of them had kids. And I was I'm like, I can't those. have. You're, you're like in there. I'm the front of the front line. They're coughing on me, yeah. <laughs> like they are. You know what I mean? And so I was like, Oh my god, I'm I'm really scared here. I really need to secure financial freedom. So the thing is, like I always tell people, I went from the hospital to hospitality. Mm-hmm. It was more so my my hobby in investing in real estate. All of a sudden, became a need. Like it's, mm-hmm. it became a must. Like yeah. I need to get financial freedom to get out of here. And so my mindset was, what if I, I can't work anymore? Yeah. Right? What if I become critically ill with COVID and have like complications and can't work? Where's my stream of income going to come? And once we got the first short-term rental, we felt like it was an ATM machine. Wow. I was like, I need to get as many of these ATM machines as possible. So that's really the the journey there. And and now we're closing on our sixth short-term rental next month. Wow. Wow. Okay. So there's there's just so much that we can pick apart there. I mean, there's the, <laughs> <laughs> so 
So just just for my curious self, had you actually gotten any multifamily now with just just before the short term rental or what happened to that multifamily hint of a dream? Yeah, like I invested passively in multifamily syndications, trying to get my feet wet with it, but I didn't like the returns. I mean, the returns are kind of poor, right? I mean, you can't live that. I mean, yeah, my syndicator would send like, you know, a couple hundred bucks here and there. I'm like, dude, that doesn't change my life. But I mean, maybe at the back end when they fix it up and sell it, but it was definitely passive. But at the time, my mindset was I'm okay to hustle. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm young and I think I can put in the work to hustle. And it's interesting because like at the time when you don't have any uh, experience, like no multifamily operator wants to speak to you. And I get it. I didn't have anything to offer them. But what's crazy is throughout this journey, I just put my hat on and I said, I'm just going to help as many people as possible and really tell my story and put it out there. And it's crazy because all of a sudden, a lot of these multifamily operators started coming to me and saying, hey, I want to get into short-term rentals. <laughs> and I, I'm like, okay, I'll help you out. Even though you don't want to help me out, I'll help you out, you know. <laughs> so I never really did because the, uh, or get into multifamily. I'm not saying that I don't want to. I still want that apartment complex. It's kind of like a bucket list thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do want to diversify, but uh, you know what? I'm having such a good time with short-term rentals now. And that's kind of been my niche and I'm having a good time with it. So I'm going to continue doing that for a little bit. Love it. Okay. So you got that first one in the Smokies. Can you kind of tell us where the others are and inter- and like, like a timeline to how you ended up acquiring the six? Sure. Yeah. So like, like I said, I mean, my first guest was like August of 2020 and they paid 500 bucks times four nights. And I said, holy crap, when we got something going here, this is insane. I can't believe people actually do this. You know, it was unbelievable to me. And it still didn't register. Like, I'm not like, I'm so clueless, right? It took me like a month or two. And then I, I went back to my real estate agent and I said, I need to get more. Um, so I wound up getting a new build under contract, I think in October of 2020. And that wound up closing in May of 2021 at the same time. And that's also in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. But what I found is that we really like four bedroom new builds. And then my agent said, well, this one comes with an indoor pool and I highly recommend it. And so that one absolutely crushes it because it has an amenity that a lot of other people don't, which is an indoor pool. So we got that in, like I said, uh, 2021. And then now we're diving all into it and we wound up selling our long-term rentals and doing a 1031 exchange. And we got three short-term rentals in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Okay. So so three in, three in Gulf Shores. Two in mm-hmm. Smokies or a third one in Smokies too? The third one is closing soon. And I'm going to let you know that business never goes as planned. So we got a four bedroom indoor pool under contract, I think December, 2020. And it's taken them two years to build. And my realtor walks the property and she said, Alex, I'm sorry to break this to you, but they built you the wrong home. I'm like, what do you mean they built you the wrong home? Big mistake, right? I've been waiting two years. Have it? I had the money parked for the down payment in my bank account for two years because they said they were going to build it in seven months, but it never works out. But uh, but yeah, they wound up building a three-bedroom instead. Extremely upset about it at first. But what are you going to do? Like things don't yeah. work out as usual. And you're going to cry about it for a little bit. And then you move on. This thing's still going to make really good money. And we negotiated terms again, and uh, I still got a pretty good deal. So yeah, that'll be my sixth one there. Closing next month. So we're recording as of uh, what November 2022. Yeah. It'll be uh, December 2022. Too, oh, nice. So. nice, 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 nice. So 
you mentioned a couple of things and some people listening to this are completely new to all of this, right? So you mm-hmm. said something like 1031 exchange, for example. Sure. Can you yeah. just, just break down what that means and why you did it? Mm-hmm. Sure. And remember, I'm not that smart because I've made a lot of mistakes, but here we go. So really <laughs> what <is>. happened is <laughs> I bought some homes a while ago and they went up in value. Mm-hmm. So I had equity in those homes. In fact, I had three houses that were completely paid off. Wow. Right. And at one point I looked at the numbers and I said, hey, I have, let's say, $100,000 in equity and it's generating me about 200 bucks a month in profit. And I'm like, OK, I'm making about $2,000 a year profit and I have $100,000 in equity. That's a 2% return on equity. And here I am in the Smokies making about 50 to 60% cash on cash return. Right. And so in my mind is like, well, just get rid of those and buy more in Smokies. So 1031 exchange means that if you sell the house, you won't have to pay taxes on that gain. So let's say you bought the house at 50,000 and you sell it at 100,000, you have $50,000 in gain there. Mm-hmm. Uncle Sam's going to want to cut. Mm-hmm. The only way you you want to keep Uncle Sam's hands out of that is you wind up doing a 1031 exchange into another property. And there's a lot more rules to that. There's a certain timeline and a certain amount that you could spend depending on what you're doing. But that's pretty much like the basic overview of a 1031 exchange. And you'll need to find a quality, what is it, a qualified intermediary to yeah. do the exchange. You can't like sell the property and have the money in hand and then go buy a property. The money can't touch your hands. So it has to go through a third party. So yeah, that that last piece. If you if you didn't hear that last sentence, that last thing he just said, just hit rewind, hit the, like the 30 second rewind button and listen to that again. Because if you're doing a 1031 exchange, you must have a qualified intermediary. I saw a post a few, a few months ago where somebody was saying, like, how do I do a 1031? We just closed on this property. I'm like, whoops, sorry. Too late. Yeah, too, too late. late. You're going to pay taxes on that. You're going to so. pay Uncle Sam on this one. You're listening to the Short-Term Revolution Podcast with your host, Chiagozi Fawole. Yeah, so you're just kicking the can down the road. I mean, there's huge tax benefits to real estate. The other thing we do is, like I said, my CPA kind of steered me into getting into short-term rentals. Mm-hmm. I haven't paid federal income taxes in over two years. So I get like big tax returns back every single year, which is what I found like a lot of the medical community. That's mm-hmm. one of the main reasons why they get into it. They just don't want to pay their taxes so yeah. or keep their money. It's not that we're not wanting to pay taxes. We're just wanting to use the loophole and keep our own money. So. And you know, even, you know, we, we, we use the word loophole, but sometimes loophole even has like a, a like a, you know, sneaky connotation. Mm-hmm. Like, right. this, is, this is not a sneaky thing. This is using the tax code. Right. As it was written. <laughs> right. Right. It, it's the government encouraging you, pulling yeah. levers for you to, to do a certain thing that they want you to do. So. Yeah. We're still puppets in their hands. I'm, just <laughs> I'm okay with it. I just wanted you give my mom my, my money yeah. back. Tell me what to do. <laughs> what to do? Okay, so you use a 1031 of your of your long term rentals. Another person listening may maybe thinking, okay, well, okay, I can I can see that you sold a couple of properties, but was that the only strategy that you used to buy the other ones, or did you do any other kind of creative financing or any other financing strategies? to go from one to two to three to four to five, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of gurus out there that are really smart. That's not me. Like some people go <laughs> zero to like 30, like really fast. 
I'm not that way. I just kind of put my head down and work overtime and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I did do, okay, so I did pull out of my 401k. I think you could borrow money from your 401k. And then my wife was like, oh, this is working out really good. I might as well do it for mine. So we borrowed from her 401k. And then at the same time, like one thing about me that you guys don't know is I'm extremely cheap. And Mm so like I haven't spent any of this money. I kind of just keep snowballing the profits. And then the CARES Act came in 2021 or something like that. I don't remember, 2020. And so we wound up pulling from our 401k retirement again, which was another like $100,000. We did it per property or per 401k. So that was was $200,000 in our pocket. And then we get to a point where over time, these short-term rentals, because we buy them luxury, we buy them really nice and hot areas that are appreciating. They went up tremendously in value. Like the first one we bought for $625,000. We just got it appraised for nine seventy, and right, $350,000 or whatever it is that went up in value. And so we wound up pulling out all of the money that we just put into it. Whatever down payment we had, we pulled it out and some. So I think our initial down payment was like 120000 We wound up pulling out like $165,000 in cash. So... So now we have more money. It's like a good problem to have. Now we have more money because now we have to buy more properties to get more tax break, but yep. more properties, cash flow more too. So it's a good problem to have. It's an amazing problem. It's the kind of problem that, <laughs> that we all don't mind. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So now thinking about your big picture plan, kind of like where are you looking to buy next? Are you thinking of buying more short term? You know what, actually, let's even just talk about the state of the market because Some people are asking the question, like, have we missed the boat? Are short-term rentals like a thing of 2020? High interest rates, you know, is is it now, quote unquote, saturated? Yeah. What are your thoughts on those? This is what I tell people. There's always a reason not to buy, no matter what year it is. And two years ago, my house sat on the market and nobody was buying. And people were saying, let's just wait for it to completely bottom up. A year ago, people were saying the prices are just way too high. And now today, people are saying, well, the interest rates are way too high. A year later, people will say, I'm going to keep waiting for the market to bottom out. The thing is, if you buy properties with strong fundamentals, like let's say it has this amazing view or this property is right next to a hospital and that hospital is always going to be there. If there's an amazing driver for that property, meaning it has strong fundamentals and it will always rent out. I think you'll be fine. Remember my story. I've made a lot of mistakes in the past, but real estate's extremely forgiving. So think about the long view. And not only that, you'll still, I mean, we're not paying anything in taxes. I mean, I have to buy, right? It's either that or you're going to pay a $40,000 tax bill to Uncle Sam. I'd much rather buy a property, you know? So if you buy like, buy unique properties, you're going to be okay. I don't think you missed the boat at all. I'm still buying, so... Still buying, still buying. I, mean, I, <laughs> I like it when I have somebody else say the same thing because sometimes when, when, I, when I say it, it's like, no, Chiagas, you know, you have all this blah, blah, blah. No, mm-hmm. those who are buying are buying. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, I've made mistakes. I'm not going to say that I'm not going to make mistakes anymore. I'm a lot smarter, but it's like, okay, will you succeed nine times out of 10? Most likely. I'll still make mistakes every now and then, but I just got to keep going. So. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. That's good. So now, now let's get back to the the, the um, big picture question. Where do you see this going? What's your kind of plan, like outlook on all of this? Yeah, I mean, I, I think initially when I got into it, I had a lot of financial goals. And yeah, I mean, you hit those goals right away with short-term rentals. It's insane. 
And so like, I'm really simple. I don't need much. So the goals are more about helping others, much like how you have your community and you put on these like amazing conferences. I, I really just want to give to people, like give them knowledge and help them achieve financial freedom. Cause during the pandemic, I had a lot of nurses, doctors, everyone wanted to speak to me about how to become financially free. And I was more than willing to give it to them. So then that's why I created my Facebook community. It's called Healthcare Professionals Investing in Real Estate. That was meant for me just to make better use of my time because I was exhausted talking to so many people that wanted to do the same thing. Three, four hours a day, I was losing my voice. And then I said, okay, we'll have one week. We'll pick a, a day of the week and then we'll just all meet up. And I remember the first time I did it, I think 70 people showed up. Like, what the heck's going on? And I said, okay. And I didn't have an agenda. I said, let's meet next week. And then next week, another 70 people. And I said, maybe there's something to this where I'm just going to help people out and then see what comes from it. So like the goals really aren't financial anymore. I mean, they are, I'm not going to lie. Like I, I'd like to make more money because I'd, I'd like to have nice things and pay for college and stuff like that. But you know, I think I get I get more fulfilled when I see other people saying, hey, you know what? I bought my first short term rental because of you. And now we're cash flowing, you know, three, four or five thousand dollars a month. And now we're just looking to buy more. So nice, nice, nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, you know, let's actually just take this 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 other question. Now, if you had to do this, if you had to rewind, OK, back to mm. 2020, is yeah. there something you will do you will do differently from what you've already I mean? We all learn lessons as we go, but like, if you had yeah. to rewind, what is something that you may do di- do a little differently based on what you know right now? So with me, my mistake was, well, now granted, I love new builds, right? Mm-hmm. I, I like new builds, builds because I didn't have the confidence in me to m- manage anything else. It was kind of like, hey, I'm 2000 miles away. I want something brand new and I want it to be less of a headache. But what I could tell you is that the new bills have their headaches too. I mean, yeah. And the guests are going to have the same headaches too. So I might as well have bought, like, if you look back in 2020, anything I would have bought would have hit gold. (laughs) It would have been a home run, even if I would have just held on to it and did a piss poor job managing it. The market went up tremendously in value and my equity would have went up. But I did get a lot of new bills under contract. And like I said, I pulled money out of like equity out. I pulled money out of my 401k. And it's been sitting in my bank account for over two years. You're talking like $150,000 sitting in savings because that was going to be my down payment. When the whole time, two years ago, I could have been buying other short-term rentals. I could have been, I could have bought like three, four other short-term rentals in the meantime, and then have those cash flowing like crazy. Mm-hmm. So that was my biggest mistake. I don't regret it at all. I've made a lot more stupider mistakes and I'm still, like I said, the goals aren't financial anymore. I'm not really driven by that as much. I think I'm still more fulfilled just seeing others succeed too. So that's awesome. That's awesome. And guys, if you, if you have not, if you're not on his group, it, it's a, it's a great group. You know, he always has these uh, meetups with other healthcare professionals. It's just a nice, it's one of those groups on the internet. Cause like, I think a lot of uh, Physicians tend to kind of like go to physician groups, but then you got an Alex group and it's like healthcare people. And it's like, oh yeah, you guys are actually kind of cool people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. It's crazy, you know, and I'm going to tell you right now, like I was a shy, I'm still am a pretty shy introverted and I don't like to get out there, but I never talked to physicians about money. Like I've been with RT for over 20 years. The first 17 years, I kind of kept to myself and kind of just did my work. And it wasn't until I started telling my story mm-hmm. 
everyone's in the same boat. I didn't realize we're all in the same boat. Like we're all wanting the same thing. And it's like, well, let's just all help each other at that point. So that's kind of been cool with the healthcare professionals investing in real estate group. So that is really cool. That is really cool. Okay. So Alex, what, what parting, should I say, word of advice will, will, will you give to someone who is thinking about possibly maybe considering getting to that with short-term rentals today? Yeah, just obsess with it. And I think that's what with me obsessing and then just networking with as many people as possible. You'll What you'll find is real estate investors, we're all extremely giving. Like we'll let you know exactly who we're using, what our biggest mistakes were as far, you know, and just get out of your shell and just start networking and just talking to different investors. You're going to get a lot of insight there. And even what I'm saying today, even though we're agreeing about like, like we're still buying it's good to even get all of the yeah other opinions out there. And who knows? Because when I started in multifamily, I wasn't even thinking about short-term rental, right? And it wasn't until networking and someone kind of gave me this nudge, like you should look into short-term rental. Like you might start networking with a bunch of short-term rental operators, and then someone might give you a nudge to do midterm rental or mm-hmm. arbitrage. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's so many, uh, when you see start peeling back the onion, there's so many layers to this yeah. that you can go in different ways. So really it's just getting out there and just networking and meeting people. And for me, that was the most difficult part. Cause like I said, I'm an introvert. So, <laughs> okay. So now that you mentioned that, what, how did you overcome that whole introvert thing to be able to get out there and network? Cause that is a big thing for a lot of people. Yeah, I don't think I've overcome it, but (laughs) it's really what you do is, and I remember someone, like, there's all these nuggets that people say, and they just stick with you. I remember going to a meetup just when the doors started opening up for COVID, like, hey, we could get out there and start meeting up again. This guy said, you know what, you need to just come out to these meetups. And it's not necessarily meeting people. It What winds up happening is you start talking about your story, and then you start getting way better at it. Mm. Right now, all of a sudden, the story that I have kind of rolls off the top of my tongue because I've told it a thousand times already. Yeah. So now I'm becoming really comfortable. And then it's something I really enjoy doing because I've, I'm so passionate about it. Like when I discovered short term rentals, I felt like I had this hack that like not a lot of people knew about. I was like, hey, I'm cash flowing X amount and I'm not paying anything in taxes. And then it was like, well, tell me more about it. And so when I became passionate and talking about it, it just became a lot easier. So Nice, nice. This is so good. So, so, so good. So Thank where you. can people find you to connect with you, get into your world? I know we mentioned the Facebook group, but anything else you want to share? Yeah, I'm pretty active on Instagram. It's at the real Alex Sabio or just on Facebook. I'm still active there too, Alex Sabio. And then the healthcare professionals investing in real estate Facebook group. So I'm active on there too. Awesome. So guys, go check him out. Like I said, he's great. Some people say like he's good people. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Alex, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate that. My pleasure. Take care, guys. We'll see you on the next episode of the Short-Term Revolution Podcast.